Welcome back to America's Talking. I'm Austin Berg. Quick reminder, you can check out this podcast and all of our other podcasts on americastalking.com. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Swanger. Chris serves as the president and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, that's DISCUS for short. DISCUS is the leading voice for distilled spirits in the U.S. market, and it serves as the industry's advocate in state capitals and the nation's capital and in foreign capitals around the globe. If you're wondering what distilled spirits are, well, the six base liquors are brandy, gin, rum, tequila, vodka, and whiskey. Chris is also the president and CEO of Responsibility.org. That was founded in 1991. It's received more than $250 million voluntarily from our nation's leading distillers to fight drunk driving and underage drinking and to promote responsible decisions about beverage alcohol. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a privilege for me to represent such a great industry and, and being here with you. Thanks so much. So, Chris, when you were coming on, I was thinking about the last time I was in Arlington, Virginia. I'm staying at a hotel and I look across the street and there's a plaza, almost like a mini mall. But instead of, you know, a Quiznos next to a Starbucks next to whatever Jersey Mike's, it is the Helicopters Association and the Nuclear Particle Physics Association. It was all these associations, dozens of them in the same building. And I'm just curious. I know Discus does a lot for its members. Can you describe what an industry group's function is and maybe how you guys are, are similar or different to other industry groups? Absolutely. And it's amazing. I mean, uh, you're in you're in the when you were in Arlington, you were close to the nation's capital, obviously. And in large part, uh, D.C. is also the nation's capital for trade associations. But there's also trade associations and state capitals all around the country as well. Primarily what a trade association does is bring like-minded interests together uh, uh, to, uh, and there can be a lot of different variables for a trade association. Uh, a big component of what we do is where we are the advocacy arm for the distilled spirits industry and, uh, uh, and hopefully provide a lot of other uh, uh, valuable assets to our member companies. But it allows the industry to speak with one voice uh, uh, when we're engaging on Capitol Hill or engaging with the federal government or engaging on international trade matters overseas or engaging in state capitals as well. And uh, part of my mission is uh, to represent uh, the commercial interests of our member companies and in large part, the industry. And, uh, you know, I also have the privilege and responsibility to lead a separate organization, as you mentioned, Austin, uh, called responsibility.org. And it's been around since 1970, 1991. And uh, the mission of that organization is all on the responsibility side of things, uh, combating drunk and impaired driving, preventing underage drinking and promoting responsibility. And it's interesting, uh, you know, you could see maybe uh, advocating for the commercial interests and responsibility could conflict with each other. But I'm, pl- I'm proud to say that it really is part of the DNA of all of our member companies and within the broader industry that this only this industry can only thrive if 
uh, adult consumers are uh, enjoying our products in moderation and responsibly. Yeah, you know, we've all, you know, live life and we've seen, you know, terrible circumstances when somebody abuses alcohol or drunk driving accident or, you know, I got a 16 year old right now and we're in that age where, you know, he could he can be tempted and a 16 year old and a 13 year old. So, you know, uh, one neat thing about the industry is the industry doesn't shy away about some of the challenges associated with alcohol abuse. We seize it. We believe we have a role to play in how we market and advertise our products. And we have a role to play to work with various stakeholders uh, to prevent bad things when it comes to beverage alcohol. But in large part, you know, millions and millions of people enjoy our great products responsibly and as intended. And uh, distilled spirits is is really a, a a beautiful, brilliant part of life if it's done responsibly in moderation. You know, we live in such divided times, and it can bring people together from different different cultures. It, you know. As a matter of fact, I'd like to say I lead the cocktail party and maybe our country could use a cocktail party just because we live in such a politically divided uh, country. And I'm, I'm uh, glad you mentioned that. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that that topic of and you mentioned it earlier, this alignment and speaking with one voice. Yeah. And I think you're in this really interesting position where I mean, you have thou- thousands of members, I assume. Uh, of discus right and these folks all have of course they're all in the same industry but they all have disparate interests they all have different ways of communicating i'm sure they very all have authorities. they're very, very competitive with each other that's right and i'm just wondering what lessons you've learned because your job is to align them and you know you know join or die like we got to be stronger together what lessons have you learned about listening and alignment and treating people with really, really different opinions with respect and then arriving at some conclusion because you do that every day. That That's that's my job. Yeah. Uh, and good on you to kind of tap into that. Uh, well, let me just say one interesting phenomenon that's gone on in the United States over the past 15 to 18 years, probably. 18 years ago, there were only 50 distilleries in the United States. Uh, you know, the big ones, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, Wild Turkey. Uh, Bacardi, you know, Bacardi comes from Puerto Rico, but, you know, all the well-known brands. But there has been a phenomenon where there are now 2,300 distilleries in the United States, craft distilleries popping up in communities all over the country, similar to small wineries, similar to craft breweries and all of the above. And uh, the spirits industry has gained pretty significant market share over the past 15 years is consumers are gravitating uh, to distilled spirits. I would argue uh, consumers are drinking better uh, and not more. We don't want people to drink more and too much and overserve themselves, right? So, but my job with a lot of very different disparate interests from the small guys to the bigger companies is to look over the horizon and, you know, 90% of the issues that can impact the alcohol industry or the spirits industry 
are of common interest to large and small and different interests as well. And then you're going to have 10% of the time issues are going to come up or something competitive between one member company versus another. And that's our job to kind of navigate that and, and really stay focused on the common greater good of our industry. Uh, uh, social responsibility is one that, you know, in large part, we all agree with. And this is something that I'm very, very proud of for the industry. Uh, and and I think the challenge for any trade association, it can be the helicopter trade association or whatever. You know, we represent a bunch of great competitors in every day. They're getting up, trying to beat the person that sits to the right in a discus board meeting. Uh, but they also recognize, and this is a credit to their sophistication, that there's a lot of issues that we've got to work together on together. And we've, you know, a discus has been around since 1971. And one of the key things that I am trying to do is to unite the spirits supplier tier, bring us all together. And that that makes it more challenging. If I was just representing a small group, let's say if I was just representing the big guys, uh, it maybe be a little bit easier. But we are trying to unite the spirits industry in it. It's an awesome industry. I don't know if you've had a chance to visit a distillery, but. I mean, they there are great American sex success stories about ingenuity and innovation happening all across the United States and overseas as well, because many of our member companies represent great cognac distilleries or Japanese whiskey or Irish distilleries or, of course, single malt scotch or scotch or gin all over the world. So it's a, it's a fascinating business. So one thing you guys do, and you just touched on this, obviously a big focus is the lobbying of governments. And I'm curious what separates a good lobbying shop, a good advocacy group from the really great ones? Because it's obvious. I think the, the cartoonish impression of this is, oh, it's just whoever spends the most money. But yeah. oftentimes the people who spend the most money aren't getting you know, great results for their members. So I'm curious, what do you think is what separates the good from the great when it comes to advocacy? Well, I mean, broadly, and a lot of trade associations had would uh, would say this, but I mean, it, it all starts with transparency and honesty in the positions that you take. I mean, for me, that is that is fundamental. Look, money and politics is always a big component of it. Just 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 based on our system, uh, that that uh, that is always an element. But it's integrity, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say this, uh, the, the fact that we are so invested on the responsibility side of things, uh, I think that is a contributing factor. So when we come in and talk to legislators about a commercial issue or a market access issue or opposition to tax increases because it's going to impact consumers and our businesses, we are also lobbying in support or uh, in support of stronger traffic safety laws to prevent drunk driving or in support of laws that help prevent underage drinking and so forth. So, you know, uh, being the head of the cocktail party, even though that's not really established, I would say, uh, you know, we work on both sides of the aisle. Uh, you know, we 
my job, and this is the job of any trade association, is to work with Republicans, independents, uh, Democrats, progressives, uh, liberals, conservatives, moderates across the board. And what's unique is the distilleries that we we represent and the products and the brands that we bring together. Uh, just distilled spirits, it has such a unique cachet. It really can bring people from different ilks of life, race, creed, religions, you know, in large part together uh, for for folks to toast one another. And we try to take full advantage of it because if it's done correctly, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, we support the hospitality industry. You know, the things our bartenders do all around the country. I mean, they're not really employees of the distilled spirits companies, but they are on the front lines of this industry. And, you know, we've navigated a lot of challenges through the pandemic, particularly bartenders. But uh, I mean, they are the salt and earth of, of this country. And that's been going around since the beginning of the country with taverns and and, you know, out west going to a saloon, you know, it's just it's a fascinating industry it is deeply tied to the American identity in so many ways in so many different parts of the country. Um, you mentioned I, you mentioned responsibility a couple of times. Responsibility.org is a really great model for corporate philanthropy, and it's clearly been highly successful over the last 30 years in its mission. A place that I've noticed. So I'm based out of Chicago. Yep. Illinois legalized recreational marijuana in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. And I haven't quite seen the same focus in Illinois or actually other states from that industry, which we could broadly ca- characterize as, you know, sort of these um, these vice industries, you know, if you want to use the pejorative yeah. term, but it's in the same sort of space. And I haven't quite seen that same investment in something like a responsibility.org when you're talking about moderation and things of this nature. Any thoughts about how businesses and other industries can can do that work effectively? How 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 do we measure success? It's interesting. It's a great great question. And uh, so uh, the U.S. Cannabis Council, I, I, I guess it's okay that I could say this. They have become a partner member or a corporate supporter of responsibility.org. Mm-hmm. So. This is just my observation. I'm one step removed with all due respect to the cannabis industry, but it's a very young industry and very, very fragmented the way the way that it's set up right all around the country. And that's not an indictment. It's just it's it's a baby industry. Right. So uh, they based on the interactions that I've had with the cannabis industry, I'm proud to say they've looked at responsibility.org and they've looked at the beverage alcohol industry, not just spirits, but beer and wine as well uh, as a model to get to. So I think it will come. And the U.S. Cannabis Council is trying to learn and understand what uh, the beverage alcohol industry, the lessons that that we've learned. You know, the industry has been around a long time. We're an industry that had prohibition, for God's sake, right? So, you know, uh, right after prohibition, I think I've got this right. The distilled spirits industry put forward a code of marketing practices, you know, with the recognition that we've got to market and sell or products responsibly in with and that was self-imposed. That was not a regulatory body saying Correct. you have to put this label on it. It was taking that responsibility upon themselves. 
that was like 1934 or whatever, wow. 1933, right? So, I mean, the DNA within the industry has been long before before I I got here. Uh, and it's just a, really to a credit from those moonshiners and uh, distillers that were kind of getting back in the game. And, uh, you know, I think for the cannabis industry, uh, what responsibility.org does is really a model. It will be important uh, for them. And to be honest with you, you know, if bad thing in luck, uh, if bad things happen with the abuse of our products, governments are going to naturally uh, retract and uh, restrict, right? So it is in our commercial interests to eliminate underage drinking. And it, and there's a human interest. My God, I don't want my 13 and 16-year-old to drink, you know, hurt themselves, get in a car accident, right? And I don't want to do that either, right? And hurt somebody, right? So there's a human element to it, but there's a commercial element to it. We want you know, citizens who choose to drink to do it in moderation and have a good time. Super Bowl, you know, that's Sunday, uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl's a time where people get together and make chili and nachos and all of the above. And people enjoy having a cocktail. We want to make sure those people are getting home safely uh, and doing it responsibly so they can celebrate and cheer for whoever their favorite team is. I'm sad the Cowboys aren't in it. Sorry, Chicago Bears. Right. But, uh, you know, it's just in the inter inherent interests of the industry to be committed to responsibility. So I think you sit in a position that I would imagine I'm thinking I'm hearkening back to the dozens of trade associations in this mini mall. Uh -huh. I think the head of all of them, maybe 98, you know, 100 percent of them, perhaps. They think you have the best job in the world, <laughs> I would think. You're in sort of the catbird seat. You get to lead the cocktail party. You don't have to be the head of the uh, Particle Physics Association. Helicopter yeah. Association might be kind of cool. But you have this really incredible job. How did you get involved in this industry? What was your source of passion and kind of your progression in the industry? Uh, great question. And I think I think to some degree they're uh, like in a month or so, I'm, I'm going to be out in Scotland and uh, – you know, visiting some of the, the finest uh, distilleries in the world that have been around forever. So uh, I do, you know, I do, I'm pretty lucky. And, you know, I hold my obligations with high regard in terms of, you know, high ethical standards and all of the above. And every once in a while, I do kind of pinch myself to say this is, this is really, really cool. Uh, just because of the uniqueness of the industry and so forth. But, you know, the way I look at it is uh, I represent 1.7 million people in the United States affiliated with our industry. And for me, it's thinking about that bartender uh, and it's thinking about uh, those great companies and the brands that have really, whether it's Johnny Walker or Jim Beam or Jack Daniels, I got to be careful because I can't name every one of our great member company brands, but Bacardi, I could go on and on. Uh, so uh, it, it's just a wonderful industry and uh, I'm a passionate advocate uh, and, uh, you know, beverage alcohol has a role in society. I'm really, really proud of uh, the companies that we represent. I'm proud of what we do from a responsibility perspective. Uh, 
yeah, the responsibility side of things, just because now I'm, you know, a parent of a 13 and 16 year old, it, it's precious. And for those that are just interested in the industry, a couple of years ago, we launched what's called a grassroots platform called Spirits United, kind of bringing everybody in the spirits industry together. So if I may give a little bit of a plug, check out www.spiritsunited.org. And you can sign up. And when there's an issue in Illinois or in California or on a national level, uh, that's that's a way for uh, folks that love a great whiskey or a great cocktail to get together. Uh, that's So sorry for the little little plug. Hey, I love the plug. And I, I really like that because I think there are many people, obviously, who enjoy the product, but they don't understand there is a huge political and regulatory framework that can make or break a lot of these small businesses. And I think about, especially, I mean, in Chicago, for a long time, uh, we had no distilleries in city limits. Yep. And then I think there was one Coval distillery up on, on Ravenswood Avenue. They're a North great Chicago. member company of ours. Phenomenal. And they're fantastic. But the, the hoops that they had to jump through, uh, especially, I mean, Chicago, DC is one thing. I think Chicago is uh, maybe the most difficult environment to get hardly anything done in, uh, not to mention the state of Illinois. So I think that's great. If people support uh, and have these brands that they love, especially local brands, Getting involved in that advocacy aspect is is really, really important. So I love that. Austin, I tell you, and this is part of the, the kind of the patchwork of regulations that we have to contend with every day that are holdovers from prohibition. And uh, it's really, really just amazing what's what's happening in the country. And we're really going through uh, a, another American renaissance for the cocktail. You know, there's other things that have contributed to it. Remember the TV show Sex in the City, Mad Men a little bit. All of those are factors. Uh, about 20 years ago, Distilled Spirits finally got to be able to advertise on TV. There used to be kind of essential ban by the broadcasters not to allow Distilled Spirits to advertise on TV. So that has been, you know, th those have been contributing components of that have kind of helped bring uh, the spirits industry really to life. And uh, with the craft distilleries, uh, they're really popping up in communities. It's, it's, it's enabling tourism and uh, it's, it's just really, really phenomenal. Um, and, you know, each brand, each distillery has a unique story. Uh, there's a lot of distilleries uh, owned and operated by uh, veterans uh, that have come back from serve, serving overseas and so forth. And there's a huge uh, veteran element to the industry. And it's, it's, it's just really wonderful. And I'm lucky to represent them. Chris, you've been uh, really generous with your time. I want to close with a pretty simple question. It might be hard. This is tough for you because I'm sure you get questions all the time about, you know, what products you like and you have to be fair and you have to give, you know, yeah. equal time to all your members. You don't want to pick favorites. But what do you think is the most underrated spirit that most Americans have not tried? What's something from abroad that people should try to seek out? Hmm. Or even, uh, even domestically, what is something that no one's tried that you think, wow, this is really incredible? Well, a couple of things. I mean, tequila, mezcal is on, on, on fire. And actually, 
I may come across a bragging, but I'm going to uh, 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 Jalisco, Mexico in April, uh, uh, which will be good fun. But tequila is on fire. Um, uh, a Japanese whiskey is marvelous. And that is something that is really gaining steam. Uh, I've got to be careful because I represent everybody and I could be competitive. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to trip up with one of our great member companies. What's, what's amazing about our industry and the taste profile uh, is it's different. It's got something for a little bit of everybody. You know, of course, you've got great vodka. Uh, gin is starting to kind of pick up. That's more of a sometimes more I could offend somebody in the gin side, more of a summertime drink. I mean, American whiskey has been growing leaps and bounds over the last 15, 15 years. 25, 30 years ago, you could, you could, uh, the, uh, the, there was no growth in bourbon and American whiskey. And American whiskey is growing all over the world. Uh, I, uh, one, uh, uh, I like Aperol Spritz. Uh, that comes from Italy. Uh, they're a great member company. And uh, it's just wonderful. Uh, I, I could go on and on. Uh, I probably get myself in trouble, but you know, it, it's got so in, in in the mixologist. I, I tell you one quick story. Uh, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, you know, we're all scared, uncertain, freaking out, uh, quarantining, and probably about ten days in the pandemic. These FaceTime happy hours start kicking up uh, where people are making cocktails at home and seeing friends and family that they can't go see because we're all quarantined. And that is special, you know, with all the anxiety, you know, just 30 minutes to make a cool cocktail. Uh, and we've seen positive effects for our industry during the pandemic because People aren't traveling as much and going out to dinner as much, which is hard on our restaurants. But people are trading up and buying that extra special bottle of scotch or that liqueur or that cognac, uh, you name it. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the FaceTime happy hours was just a unique, you know, really neat story during a very scary and certain time that everybody in the country was contending with. And really to close this time, just because you jogged my memory on this, during COVID, we saw so many distilleries use some of their equipment, obviously, for, for hand sanitizer, correct? And that was something that we saw sort of throughout the country, right? And Amazing. Amazing. Again, with something, right, where there was some regulatory trepidation there and folks didn't know if they were allowed to do it. And that, again, to your point about the advocacy side. These are great American businesses that are extremely innovative. They're community-based. They want to help. And sometimes there are barriers in the way. That anything story, you can say about your members during COVID? Austin, that story really quick. And we jumped all over that. Look, you couldn't find hand sanitizer at, anywhere. Uh, at the CVS, the Walgreens, you couldn't find it. And distilleries, large and small, all jumped in to get hand sanitizer for hospitals and emergency responders and all of the above. And lo and behold, during that whole time, uh, the FDA, uh, the FDA was very, very worried about uh, the, uh, the the risk of hand sanitizer that would be bad getting the hands of little children. So we had to navigate all of that to make sure it was prepared at the right standard. And lo and behold, in 
around December 29th, 2021, the FDA issued a tax bill on like a $15,000 tax bill to all of these distilleries that were really just jumping in to do hand sanitizer in the early days. And to the government's credit, uh, we reached out, engaged with HHS, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, and uh, uh, they recognized that that was a mistake. It was just a bureaucratic thing. Nobody was trying to gig these little businesses. But, you know, a lot of these little craft distillers got a $15,000 tax bill. And when you're a startup business, some of them not even making a profit yet, <laughs> get this tax bill for just trying to do the good. So that's where Discus comes in. And we we went in and we were able to fix it. But it just goes to show you for the distilleries, they're a part of the fabric of our communities and uh, they contributed, hopefully, to keeping people safe during a, such a serious time in our country. Thank you, Chris. And thanks for sharing your time and your stories today. Really appreciate it. Austin, if I can say thank you for having me and look, everybody have, uh, you know, uh, enjoy our great products if you choose and, uh, you know, be ambassadors for the industry. Uh, enjoy it responsibly in moderation and uh, would love to have any of y'all to go out and visit your nearest distillery. It's fascinating stuff.